Teenagers. I'm James Schoen. And I'm James Certin. Conversation, expertise and advice on the world and well-being of our teenagers. Hello and welcome to uh, Talking Teenagers. Today we're, we're, we're very pleased to be with Paul and Emily from uh, an organisation that they set up called the Parents' Guide to, to GCSEs. Well, thank you very much for joining us. Can I just ask a little bit about, I suppose, who you are and, um, and tell us a little bit more about what you do? Uh, well, as you said, we are Paul and Emily, and um, we are both, or we were, sorry, both teachers. The move from the classroom to um, Parent Guide has been a sort of a slow process over the last probably three or four years, whereas teachers, we weren't getting what we wanted from the profession anymore and um, we thought we could have an impact um, elsewhere so that's kind of where the initial idea came from. Yeah the reasoning behind it is basically we we couldn't make the difference we wanted to make in the classroom and we recognised that there isn't really the support for parents out there. There's bajillions of pounds spent on tutoring kids and revision guides for kids and all sorts but as a parent our teenagers so my stepsons poor sons were going through their GCSEs and we were very aware that as parents even as teacher parents we really wanted to help and we weren't totally sure how always that or we weren't sure we were doing the right thing and there wasn't anything out there that helped you as a parent to understand how you could make a difference and parents make a huge difference if they know how to support their children so we figured let's uh, let's start a bit of a movement Let's see if we can have that impact on education, but from the outside in. So that's where the Parent Guide to GCSE, that's our our big why. Is is that really interesting? Is your work supporting parents emotionally or is it supporting them with the skills in particular subject areas of this is how you support them? Oh, absolutely both, because... um, particularly on the Facebook group where, you know, there's so much interaction between parents. It's not just us sort of uh, helping them. Sometimes they go on the group and they, they're it's a, essentially a cry for help and they, they're struggling with a teenager for whatever reason. It could be to do with school. It could be to do with the fact that the teenager can, apparently can be a little bit stroppy from time to time. <laughs> and and it's, it's just a whole raft of different questions. There are a lot of questions about um, exams about uh, individual subjects and stresses and strains but certainly I would say half and half a lot of it is yeah. to do with back me up here I, I need a bit of help and yeah. we do and the psychology behind helping behind dealing with teenagers because you know, we've been there as a teenager and we remember thinking how unreasonable our parents were about everything but now we're dealing with it from the other side and there's Facebook groups and support groups all over the place when you've got babies and toddlers when they get to teenagers, it's just as tough, but there isn't, there wasn't anything out there to, you know, a group where you could go and say, <laughs> this is happening, help, you know, why won't they do this? Why can't I talk to them about this? So we, we like that we get to do a bit of both. There's lots of the, the academic support because we bring our years, 30 odd years of teaching experience between us to the questions that they're asking and we can talk about the learning how to learn and the specifics of exams and GCSEs in general but also we've recently been there and done it with teenager twins mm. so we've uh, we've got a real feel for the the whole package which I think people have really appreciated. I wonder why you um, particularly picked sort of GCSEs because obviously teenagers goes up to A-levels as well 
what what made you kind of focus around that particular area? Well, I think it was that was mostly our expertise, and that was the thing that felt like the place we could do the most good. We've since started up the Parent Guide to Post 16, so that seemed like the natural place to go when our first batch of Year 11 parents then graduated, so to speak. And we're starting to expand our our range to cover the whole of Post 16 as well. It was just finding the right place to start, because if we tried to be everything to everyone at the beginning, then we weren't going to be much use to anybody. And and what do you think are the particular challenges of, of GCSE? Our perception of it is that schools are basically results factories. And it's very, very difficult to um, really get across to parents how much schools are just teaching to the test. They're not really preparing students to be uh, good all-rounders. And that that will come back to bite them, possibly at post-16, certainly in later life. We're hoping, or our mission is to help students um, be better at learning and making sure that parents know how to, to um, encourage that, foster that. Yeah, and frustratingly, that's not down to schools. If you ask any teacher, any head teacher in the land, if they would like to stop having to teach to the test and and pander to the league tables and things, they will tell you, oh my gosh, yes, we would really like to be able to do all of the the problem solving and the, the skills development and all of that stuff. But with the pressure being placed on them by league tables, by Ofsted, it's really, really difficult. There just aren't enough hours in the day to get stuff done. And when you are being judged by that one thing, that's kind of becomes your, your be all and end all. So it's, um, it's part of the frustration that we, we both felt in the classroom. So when you talk about learning and you know, encouraging parents, what, what are the sort of takeaway messages you want parents to have about the GCSE journey as it were because as a parent myself I've been down that journey with my own daughter I'm in the middle of doing it with one uh, with my eldest son for me it was always about learning to deal with stress learning to multitask learning to work efficiently so the learning was far more um, interesting when you thought about it in when you transcended the actual results as it were what 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 would be your takeaways absolutely exactly that Um, we pretty much boiled it down to mindset and skill set. So it's your mindset and your motivation, your why are you doing this? Because if you've got a reason, if you've got something, as you said, past the results themselves and looking forward to the future, then your motivation is going to be hugely different than if you're just trying to get to those grades on that bit of paper. And then that doesn't help you going forwards. So the mindset is absolutely the key, dealing with your stress levels, making sure that you're not overwhelming yourself. And then it's the skill set of being able to learn efficiently, effectively, and becoming more of a lifelong learner because that's going to make a difference to you forever, not just cramming for the end of the test. And we we talk about little and often, little and often, (laughs) because it's... It's the way to do it. If they do just from the start of year 10 or whenever they start the GCSE journey, if they come home each day and spend anything up to 30 minutes just doing a sort of brain dump almost of notes from the day, from those lessons, if they do that all the way through, that's all their revision notes written and dealt with. They've reminded themselves as they've gone along. There's none of the 
stress and the sudden panic and cramming come Easter. It's just little and often, and it really does add up, but that's difficult to see when you're a teenager. It just feels like another thing that I'm being tortured with every day. But as a parent, you you know, because you've been there and you, you know the panic that happens when they get to those months or two before the exams and things start to get really, really, really real. And what you don't want is a child who is then feeling like they're constantly chained to their desk, worrying that they're not going to get everything covered. So little and often is, is the biggest thing, I think, that makes the difference. And then it's just it's down to mindset and skill set and building those two things up. The, um, the, the, the term of helicopter parenting and parents that are just wanting to be kind of overly involved. And I remember as a teacher hearing the, the odd parents saying, you know, well, we, well, we, well, we. And I was thinking, well, it's, it's not always we. It's, it, it, it's them. It's their go. It's their show. It's, and, and do you buy into that as well? Yeah, what well, we talk about all the way through with all of our members because the, the Parent Guide to GCSE is predominantly a membership. So as a parent, you get weekly advice from us, little bite-sized chunks that basically are designed to help you build your child up into an independent learner consistently throughout GCSEs and then post-16, because at that point, they reach the stage where, where we're out with our boys, they're off at university, and we can't helicopter. We have to trust that we've done the right thing and that they know how to motivate themselves. I think that exact point isn't it is that you know we are trying to help them to grow up into human beings that can navigate their own journeys and that you know if we're too busy doing too much for them actually they arrive at university and they're bereft they don't know what to do after we spoke last time I actually took away the three b's that you talked about with me and mentioned them in my book that's how the the it resonated the whole you know standing between them and whatever it is and then beside them and then behind them because that is your job is just to be there to support them but that transition really kind of summed it up for me I think but it is also about knowing how to support them obviously because uh, too many parents will be sitting there with their child upstairs revising or they think they're revising and thinking this is a parent win they you know they're at the desk we haven't had to nag them and they're cracking on with it but a lot of the time the student themselves won't know what effective revision or effective study looks like. Schools are great at teaching um, subjects, but they're not great at teaching the skills of or learning to learn, essentially. So, you know, we talk a lot about active and passive revision and how active is the way forward and how passive doesn't really work for most students. And if we didn't tell that to a lot of parents, I don't think they would know. It's because it's, it's been so long since they went to school. They don't know how... I think it's I think it's possible as well. Education has changed so much since so many parents were at school that they're kind of unaware about the sort of pedagogical changes, as it were, and how teachers go about their sort of practice and how you know out of touch in a way they are with with learning and what and the advances that have been made in our understanding of it. Could you kind of pinpoint one or two things that parents of say my generation wouldn't know? Probably mind maps and the the power thereof in terms of making the links. I think we know a lot more about neuroplasticity now than than we did the whole the the brain's ability to learn new things and get stronger 
as you learn new things by making links between things. So blind repetition and rote learning of stuff, like when we were at primary school and you had to recite your times tables over and over, that is now very much not the way that we do things. We try and make the links between the multiplication and division because that results in a much stronger bond and a much more a much deeper understanding of the, the concepts involved. So mind maps with the way that they make links between things are a really powerful tool. I think everyone thinks of spider diagrams that you just used to drawing pretty colours and, and make, make look pretty at school. Testing yourself, way more effective in terms of building your memory bonds. But it doesn't feel like it because you're testing yourself and you don't know it. And so you feel rubbish. But actually, that's much more effective. So I think that's, that's probably the big one for me. What would be the, um, the sort of key nuggets that you're wanting to give to parents on the kind of the emotional support side? We all have to go through our, our own journey with our teenagers. And I think understanding a little bit of the psychology and the brain development behind things actually really helps. The brain develops from the back to the front. And the back part of your brain is the, woohoo, let's do this, this sounds fun kind of part of your brain. And the, the front part is the bit that makes all the sensible decisions. So basically, whilst the back part of their brain is more developed, it's basically their drunk friends loose in Vegas with no designated driver because the designated driver hasn't made it there yet. So the reason that they do the stupid things and they take the stupid risks and they put off the things that you know would make such a difference if they just did it is because they literally can't help it. Their brain is not wired quite in the same way as ours yet. And so when you realize that it's, it's actually physiological. It's not them doing it deliberately to wind you up. Though sometimes it's them doing it deliberately to wind you up. I think that helps a lot because we all feel like we're doing a terrible, terrible job as a parent of a teenager. We all do, every single one of us, because you can't get it right because there is no right. So just um, remember it's not just you and the eye rolling isn't personal. I've often thought that the GCSE you know, exams are probably the toughest, actually, um, because you're doing so many different subjects. So you've got so many different teacher styles that you're having to adapt to, different expectations. You've got so many assignments from lots of different places to keep on top of. And if you find organisation hard, that's difficult. And of course, you're not, you haven't got an awful lot of choice in terms of the subjects you're doing. Um, so, you know, you're having to manage subjects a lot of the time that you find really difficult or not terribly interesting. Um, has that been your kind of your experience or is that sort of is that shared by other parents? Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And the other issue with GCSE is you've got generally you've got massive classes. So 30 uh, is fairly standard these days. At post 16, obviously, it goes down to a much more manageable number. So from a, a parental point of view, you get a much you get much better feedback from the teacher. Um, parents' evenings can be a little bit more effective, whereas at particularly in year 11, that five-minute slot you get at parents' evening probably once a year. How do you get across you know, the questions you got for that individual teacher about how your child is going to improve over the next six months, three months, whatever the timescale is? It's more or less impossible. So, And then you have to remember 10 lots of that five-minute chunk of advice that are all different for different subjects. Yeah. And 
additionally with 30 odd kids in a class it just takes one who really doesn't want to be there because they really don't enjoy that subject or find it interesting to make it incredibly difficult for everybody else in the class to learn so there's there's that challenge as well and the ineffectiveness of parents evenings is one of the one of the things that we thought about when we first set this up it's it's just not really an effective time to get information across uh, and some of it isn't always student specific it is about study skills it is about how to improve as an independent learner and that doesn't matter whether it's you know your child or any other any other child it's what are those skills that you need and that's where we hopefully step in can i ask what your um advice is to parents who have got children who are maybe battling with adhd or dyslexia or dyspraxia or there are so many conditions that young people are really battling with and that often really heightens a parent's anxiety definitely Uh, i mean first up is make sure school are very much aware and make sure you apply for any support they're allowed to get if they get additional time in exams if they get to have a reader use a computer any of those things find that out as early as you can because it can be a slightly longer process and that way you know you've got that to work towards um i we've spoke to quite a few people about dyslexia in particular and I think possibly controversially I don't know that kids who are struggling with that kind of challenge tend to become better learners because of it because they're having to problem solve they they can't just sit and read the paper like everybody else does they're having to look for context in what the teacher's been talking about and search around the subject to find other ways of dealing with the problem that they're having to to answer because they can't just do the usual I'll sit and read the thing and then give a half-hearted answer which most of the class do I think it's it's basically a superpower in the making because problem solving is the big skill it's the thing that makes the difference as a as a lifelong learner so I think helping them mentally frame it as an opportunity rather than as a challenge can be quite helpful. I certainly echo that in my experience that if they can overcome that hump of kind of you know I can do this then then actually as you say it's often they're often fantastic sort of people you'd want to employ later in life. Of course it's very effortful though for, uh, you know and the, the, the process is much slower. Do you have to do you answer questions about you know should they be doing 10 GCSEs or would eight be more appropriate or you know is, is, do you have any advice for, for parents in that area? A lot of schools these days are heading more towards delivering eight and delivering them. I'm going to say, well, that's that's not the right word. But, you know, if you can dedicate more time to a particular subject, in theory, you are going to get better results, Um, which we don't particularly like because it narrows the curriculum. And and usually the subjects to miss out are probably controversially the arts. And that can't be a good thing for, um, for students to miss out on that side of creativity creativity yeah. yeah so we do get questions and our, our you know we can't really have an impact on it because obviously if the school makes a decision then um then we can't influence that but at the same time where schools are trying to push them down just doing eight but they have an option to do nine or ten we would always encourage them to do a sort of a slightly wider uh, a broad-based curriculum yeah and then there are the little tips and tricks like um, for English literature, which is the one that probably terrifies people most if they're suffering from something like dyslexia, the idea of reading all of those texts and figuring out what on earth is going on 
is just mind-boggling. Mm. Well, I'm an English teacher and I have people's at A-level that will love English literature, but they'll just listen listen to the stories, often reading at the same time, but um, it's uh, actually that's proven to be one of the best ways you can actually read. But, but you're quite right. There are ways around these problems, aren't there? Do you have advice... Sorry, do you have advice in terms of, you know, when, when they choose? Because a lot of parents will be at that stage with their children where which subjects do we choose, you know, what's best for them? And you can hear some parents get terribly worked up if they're not doing a language or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what's your advice? Go for, go for well-rounded, but go for stuff that they enjoy. If they're going to hate it, if they're going to not be great at it, then that's just going to be another cause of stress and overwhelm. Go with their strengths. So I think in, in, that what I'm hearing is enjoyment and ownership. Do what they enjoy and give them ownership of the decision. Oh, yeah, because as a teenager, you have so little power over anything. You've got teachers telling you what to do. You've got your parents telling you what to do. And what you desperately want as a teenager, the reason that you get all this rebellion is they just want to figure out who they are and find something that they can have some control over. So the more ownership you can give them of their, their learning journey, things like their revision plan, that can make a massive difference to their motivation levels. And, and then, you know, how much of it actually gets done. And just, could I ask just one question? There's always going to be a bunch of students that are hyper conscientious. So they're going to work really, really hard. They're probably going to overdo it. Um, and then there's a group um, who are going to be pretty lackluster in their preparation, very last minute, um, not very motivated. How, how, as a parent, do you cope with these extremes? The, the challenge if you've got a very conscientious student who's putting too much pressure on themselves, which is normally the issue that comes alongside that, is helping them to get that balance, find that me time, and not to encourage the perfectionism, because that is that can be quite toxic if you get used to having to be perfect at everything and therefore you constantly are working to be perfect at everything because you can't be perfect at everything so helping bring them back down from that is really important and then if you've got the other end of the spectrum it's it's helping them get motivated without feeling like you're nagging constantly because as a parent that's awful but you don't know what else to do because they've got to do something and you don't know how else to get them to do it. It's one of the things that we hear the most from our members is the difference that it makes when they can share advice with their child that's not from them. Mm -hmm. So our weekly emails, they quite often will read with their teenager because that way it's advice coming from experts, not mum and dad thinking they know everything because we are genetically, I think, predisposed to not listen to our parents and to do the opposite that we're told, always. I regularly tell the story of my mum who said, you should really read the Harry Potter books. I think you'll love them. So I did not read the Harry Potter books for about three years on principle. And I was an adult at that point. That's, that's what we're working against here. So if you can find someone to, to be able to be that voice of reason, an adult that they can look up to, that they can respect, that is not their parent that can make a big difference in in getting that advice across and helping to get them that little bit more motivated but if they can find their as we said their their why their what do I want to do with my life at least vaguely that can uh, 
help to transcend the the motivation issues and the and beat the nagging yeah thanks so much for all your time emily and paul that's been really helpful i'm sure for parents out there uh, that that will be very useful and there will be a link on our podcast to your um, uh, website as well should they want to get in touch with you so thanks so much thank, thank you very you. much have a fab day thank you very much you've been listening to talking teenagers music has been by rue Paynes. editing by george purvis and james certain for more information about i can and i am charity who provide presentations and resources and help build self-confidence in young people, visit their website at iCanIam.com. Be a soul.